group. You are good looking people. I'm just going to say that off the bat here. I got my glasses on so I can see you. That's why. Um, I just want to say thank you, Pastor and uh, uh, Roy and Marilyn, uh, for just embracing Jessica and myself over these last few months, getting to know you guys. And um, uh, just what I love about you both is that we can laugh. I love to laugh. How many people in this room like to laugh? And uh, not like laugh at you, you know, kind of laughter, but it's like laughing together. We have good times laughing together. And so I'm just thankful for the body of Christ. I'm thankful to be part of uh, this body of Christ together with you today. Um, You're getting uh, part two of... um, My wife was here a couple of weeks ago, as you heard Pastor say that. If you were here, you you got to hear that part. I'm just going to say off the bat, that was probably the better version of, of, and so she's always the better version of anything we do together as a team. But I'm so thankful to be here today. Uh, We're just going to look at God's word and and ask him to, to speak to us. Because that's why we come and assemble together. We want to hear the voice of the Lord. We want to be changed and transformed. And if you're here in this room today and you're saying, well, you know, I come and I do my thing on Sundays, but I don't always feel like it makes a difference. I want you to know today, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever struggle, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever place of life you're in today, I want you to know God has a plan. He has a purpose. He sees you. He knows exactly who you are, what you're going through. And there is hope for you today. I want you to know that today. So let me just uh, start by saying this today. Um, As we talk about, you know, how to survive the worst moments in life, part two. Have you ever had a really bad day? You know, like just had a bad day. I'm not talking about the day where you uh, get into a traffic accident or, you know, your windshield's cracked. Welcome to Alberta. That is pretty awesome. I learned that the hard way. I've been here for two and a half years from Ontario, and I, I think I've gone through three windshields in the last little while. I, d- I don't understand it. But, but I'm not talking about that kind of a day. And those things matter. They, they kind of set us off. They, they put us in a bad place emotionally at times. But I'm talking about, you know, receiving that horrible diagnosis. I'm talking about someone you love that has passed. I'm talking about those moments where it just takes your breath away and you don't know where to go, where to turn, and it hurts. That's the kind of day I'm talking about. Today I want to talk to you, share with you, how do we survive those moments? How do we, how do we just, how do we make it through those moments, the worst moments in your life when the unbelievable The incomprehensible, the unfathomable is taking place in your life and you don't know what to do. How do you survive those worst moments in life? Well, I want to begin by sharing some some thoughts from the scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Samuel 30? If not, we'll take a look at the screen here and we'll just read this together. I want to just read this pretty quickly and so bear with me if I speak too quickly. You can read the words there. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they 
went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Next slide. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them, pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Next slide. David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Valley where they, some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other, found, uh, other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. Part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins he ate and was revived. For he had not eaten any food or drunk any water. For three days and three nights. Next slide. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave and Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kerithites, some territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. Next slide. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God and that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to them. He led David down and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Man, here's here's a story in front of our eyes today. A story of unbelievable amounts of disappointment, frustration. This could be the possibly the worst day of David's life. The army and his men had been away. They come back. And when they come back to the home, imagine this. Everything is, is gone. Not sure if it's better that they were dead or they're gone. Can you imagine what would, it would be like, husbands in the room, if your wife was taken, if your children were taken, the kind of abuse that would be going on here. This is what's going through their minds. This is the kind of pain and sorrow they're faced with. And so David returns and sees this. And the scripture says in verse 4, they wept until they had no more strength left to weep. Have you ever felt that much pain? That much pain that you just, you can't cry anymore. It's just, you don't know where else to pull it from. This is the kind of pain they were left with. Two weeks ago, Jess spoke, used this scripture as the foundation of of where we're headed today as well. And that 
said that to survive the worst moments in your life, there's three things she began to, to talk about. The first one was you, you need to weep. You need to let it out. You know, you hold that in and you don't grieve well and, and it becomes even more challenging, more difficult. So as you can see in the scripture, the men wept and they let it out. Second thing they did is they let go of bitterness. Man, bitterness can hold us back from what God really has in store for us. And that's the first, that's the second thing here that we see that helps you to walk through. The third thing here in verse 6 was to encourage yourself in the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so much easier said than done, isn't it? Encourage yourself in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You know, we, we put on that Christian face and, and we, we talk the talk sometimes, but to encourage yourself in the Lord, are you kidding me? This is just what's happened. How do I do that? So we look at the scripture to guide us. How does God walk us through this? Let me just share a little bit of my story so you get to know who, the, who is this guy up here with these weird glasses on. Like, who is this guy? Anyway, Dave. Can I just tell you who I am? Okay, thank you. Uh, I won't take long. I've, there's not much that's happened in my life. But anyway, um, you know, I, <laughs> some years ago as I was, you know, my life uh, was raised in a Christian family, Christian home, great parents, loved Jesus. We went to church. We, I, I knew I was loved from day one. And through my life, as I kind of journeyed and tra traveled and trying to figure out my purpose and my destiny, what am I created to do in this world? I recognized that was a place in my life that I just like, ah, am I just doing this church thing, this Christian thing, because it was something my parents passed down to me? Or is this really who I am? And so I began a journey. I began trying to discover who Dave was, who I am. And so when you're from Ontario, what you'd normally do is you travel to the west coast of Canada, British Columbia, to find yourself. So that's what I did. Got in a car with my friend, who's also trying to find himself. Two of us kind of wanderers wandering across the nation. At this point, I wasn't really serving the Lord. I had known Jesus. I had served him many years of my life. I'm a young adult, and had gone through university, had lots of questions and thoughts and, and frustrations in life. And I, I was doing all those things that I was trying to fill a void in my life that I thought would provide some hope. And so I, I got into substance abuse and, and the partying lifestyle. Everything I was told from a young age, don't do this, don't do that. This is going to lead you nowhere. But I'm a little, uh, I'm kind of the guy that needs to go through the, school of hard knocks and so I did all those things that I was told never to do and 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 discovered things I didn't need to discover and just found myself at a very empty place in a very alone place in this world to a point where I thought I had it all figured out but I felt so empty till I came to that place where I said God if you're real I know I'm not serving you right now but I I know about you. I've, I've walked with you for some time in my life. But God, if you're real, I need you to show up right now. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my road. My life is a mess. I need to sh you to show up right now. I remember reading scripture. I remember watching the Ten Commandments. You remember the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? 
Ooh, yes, that was a good one. And, and then watching Charlton Heston, and, and he, there he is. And, and God is speaking through the burning bush. That's the coolest image I remember as a child watching that, that God could speak in a burning bush. And I asked God in that moment, God, would you reveal yourself to me if you would reveal yourself to, to Moses in a burning bush? Give me a burning bush or something. Long story short, he didn't give me a burning bush. I don't know why. I asked. He didn't give it to me. But I can remember being alone, feeling so by myself, crying and weeping myself to sleep. And that night, God gave me a vision. He gave me a picture of his love. It was Long story short, it was, it was the picture of the prodigal son. Hello, that was me. Who had taken his inheritance, spent it all, all on wild living, and there I was, all alone, feeling like I'm discouraged and have no purpose in life. And God knocked on my door and said, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. All I'm asking you to do is come to me. Maybe you're feeling alone today. Maybe you're doing the church thing. Maybe you, things are going well, but you're missing something. I want you to know today, no matter where it is you are, that God wants to speak to you. He wants to knock on your door. He's asking you to come in. Hear his voice. So I, there in that moment, I heard the voice of God speak to me. Today, I want you to know that there's hope for you. As you navigate those dark moments in your life, the Bible says in verse 7, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? David is asking if he should pursue this party. Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. The lesson here in the moment of loss is this, that we need to get a word from the Lord. When you're at the end of your wits, when you don't know what to do, let me just say this to you today. Whether you've been serving the Lord for five minutes, five years, 50 years, you're at a moment of loss. It seems like you have no idea where to go. Get a word from God. Hear from him. David called Abiathar, verse 7. He was the, the only priest to escape the massacre. Of the, of the priest by Saul a few years earlier, if we read the story. And since that time, Abiathar had become a very close personal friend of, of David and traveled with him on his journeys. And when Abiathar came, David said to the priest, please bring me the ephod. And so this was a garment worn by the priest to hear the voice of the Lord. When David would seek the Lord, he would wear this. He would put this on as an act of, of surrender to hear the voice of God. I'm going to stop everything else. I'm putting down my weapons. I'm putting down the things I would fight with. And I'm stopping to hear the Lord. What is it in your life you're hanging on to that you're trying to fight with? But God is saying, put those things down and listen to me because I want to speak to you. What is it? It's different for all of us. But what are you trying to hold on to? What are you trying to control in your life? And God is saying, Listen to me. I want to speak to you. Then David asked to be left alone. 
through the night, David prayed and he waited and he, he listened and he heard the Lord. And then it came and it was, it was what, the thing he needed the most of all. It was the word of the Lord. And God speaks to him. It didn't come to his head, but it came to his heart. Verse 8, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? God says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. That's it. Go for it. Pursue them. God speaks. That's his answer. In the Hebrew language, that wasn't too many words. Didn't take too long. This is the power that we have in the word of the Lord. God will speak to you. Question is, are we listening? I want you to catch this today. That that obvious question is, well, how do I get a word from God? Over the years in ministry, I've been in ministry over 20 years, people will say, Pastor, I read the Bible. I talk to people. But how do I hear from God? How do I know it's God speaking and not just like bad Chinese food the night before? I, I don't know. Like, What is it? Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. It takes faith. It takes faith. How do we get faith? The Bible says by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And that's why we need to be in the word of God. We're very good at having Bibles, having Bibles on our tablets, on our iPhones, on our iPods, on our iWhatevers. We have phones coming out of every part of our home. We have more, 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 sorry, Bibles. We have more Bibles than, than most people in the world in North America. And yet, they sometimes just stay on a shelf. Or we keep them close, but we don't actually look into them, read them, understand them. And that's part of why we need to get into God's word. We need to hear his voice. I believe that God wants to speak to us, each and every one of us, no matter what you're facing. But we need to be in his presence. We need to hear his voice. What David had received from the Lord as he wore this linen ephod was the specific word for a very specific time. It's called the, the rhema word in the Greek. It's the spoken word. It's the kairos word. The Greek word meaning the right or critical or the opportune moment. God gave him a kairos, a rhema word for the moment. And some of you in this place are going through something where you need to hear the rhema word of God. You need to hear the kairos moment. You need to hear the word that God wants to deposit into your heart, into your spirit today. Going through a great trial in your life, remember this, that God has a specific word for you. For a very specific situation. It's for you. Not for the person to the left or the right. But for you, he's got something. Maybe you're going through something hard today. Maybe nobody else in this room knows exactly what you're faced with. You couldn't share it. They wouldn't understand. I would believe in a room this size that there are many of you going through things that no one else knows about. Can I just encourage you today? Ask God to speak. Ask him to give you a word because he wants to help you in your deepest, darkest, most alone time moments. God wants to bring you back to life again. Is there an amen in the room today? 
And so as we continue in this scripture, we learn that a new day, day began to dawn over Ziklag. A new day began in David's heart also. He had spent the night wearing the linen ephod and seeking the Lord. In the middle of the night, God had spoken to him and said, pursue them. He answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. I mean, that's the word of the Lord. A day earlier, everything seemed hopeless and helpless. There's no way out of this. But now things are changing. As he's hearing, he's getting a word from God. Because David began to do this. Second part, I think is important. To clarify his vision. To reorient his vision. It's about obedience. It's about hearing the voice of God and doing something with it. Having clarity, having vision to move forward. 600 men went with David. 200 were too exhausted. To survive the worst moments of your life. We need to reorient our vision. We need to clarify what God has in store for us. The present crisis can cast you into darkness. Whatever it is you're facing today can be so overwhelming. Like like an eclipse of the sun. The crisis can move between you and the light of God. The enemy loves to put something in the way of you seeing clearly the vision God has for you. That's his job, to throw you off, to remove clarity from your vision, for, from removing you from productive activity towards the vision God has for you. The terrible thing that has happened can appear to, to be so big that it seems impossible to focus on anything else. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've had those moments in life where it just... I I can't see anything else. All I see is this negative situation. I can't seem to get around it. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And that's what the enemy, where he wants to keep you. Keep you distracted. Keep you uh, away from the vision God has for you. The the crisis becomes the only thing that you can see. It's the only thing you breathe, sleep, and all you see is this crisis. That's when you've got to clarify your vision. You've got to find a way beyond the crisis and establish a vision of recovering all. But the thing is, we've got to be convinced that God wants us to recover. We have to be convinced that God has a plan. You've got to be fully persuaded of God's unwavering love for you. David said, this this I know, that God is for me. Vision is all about your perspective on the future, and your perspective on the future determines whether you'll be energized or demoralized. We live almost all of our lives in in memory or imagination, looking back at the past or dreaming ahead to the future. Remembering the past and imagining the future. Don't allow the, the malignant cancer of worry to dominate your imagination. Can I just say that today? That God has something more in store for you. Both worry and hope uh, deal with an unknown future, and you have every right to imagine a bright future created by hope. This is what David was doing. When you look at the scripture, instead of allowing worry and anxiety to dictate his future, David, through a clear vision of victory, Victory was in his vision, was imagining a future framed by hope. I want you to know today there is hope for you. 
okay, that sounds great, Pastor. Wow, that is, whew, that'll preach. You know, you, you, can, you can record that somewhere. But how do I improve my, my, my capacity for spiritual vision? Here's what we do. In obedience to his word, as God gives us his word, we begin to get into his word. We begin to suture the vision together by his word in our hearts. We weave the pattern that God wants to weave in our hearts. This enhances our, our, our ability for vision. Disciplined reading of scriptures is an exercise in reading God's word reading his thoughts, reading what he is saying over your life. It expands your capacity to to move beyond your, your present situation. You will never go further than the vision that God gives you. And if you have mole's eyes instead of eagle's eyes, you'll be very limited. To move beyond the ashes of your worst day, I want you to hear me today. You need a new vision. I heard the voice of God. I heard God speak to me in my, my bedroom, crying myself to sleep. God spoke to me, and he gave me a word. And then he began to clarify a vision for me. I had no point, no purpose in life, and he very clearly said to me, I want you to pursue me to pursue a calling in ministry. I'm like, What? Are you kidding? You know where I've been. You know what I've been up to. God, how will anyone ever follow me? I kind of felt like Moses at this point. Moses, listen, I didn't kill anybody, but Moses kills a man. Okay, don't go tell on, on, on you know, Pastor David, I heard, you know, he's like Moses. No, I didn't kill anybody. But God had renewed a vision in my life and gave me some clarity, gave me uh, something I could run towards. And all my apprehensions, all my fears and doubts, I just said, God, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to walk with me and, and create in me a new heart, a new spirit. Receive the vision for God. Some of you in this place today, you're hurt, you're broken. It seems to be busted up. And God is saying, I'm giving you clarity of vision. Maybe you had vision some years ago, and that vision's been clouded. It's been clouded with hurt. It's been clouded with pain of the past. It's been clouded with the frustration of the things you've tried to do, but just couldn't measure up. It's been clouded by the lies of the enemy, who says, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You have no clue what you're doing. And I'm here to tell you today, by the Spirit of the living God, not only does He want to give you a word today, He wants to clarify your vision. Let's seek Him. Let's ask Him. Because it's free. It's an absolute gift to you and I. So as David and the men, his men, they get to the top of the ridge. And you know, it's one thing to hear from the Lord. And it's another thing to act on it altogether, right? Okay, thank you God for that vision. You want me to do what? Pastor, giving him vision, has given him vision over the years to do what God's called this city to do, to see lives come to fruition, 
to see brokenness come to life speaks to a man and a woman. Give them vision. They pursue that vision, and God does incredible things. Maybe he's spoken to you. Maybe he's challenged you in areas, and you just seem like you can't get it together. I want you to know God wants to speak to you again. He wants to give you clarity. He wants to give you vision. And the third thing we see here is that it's time to move from hearing the voice to seeing what he's got to action. Let's begin to attack. Okay, that's a, that's a strong word, attack. For, for, you know, in a room this size, you, you've got two types of people, the fight or flight type of people. How many people, when a situation comes against you, you just, you run? How many people, you fight? You will fight, right? And you just go after it. And I was in a room, I asked that question one time, and, and like nobody put their hand up for like, we run away. Like, everybody put their hand up to fight. I'm like, oh, well, stay away from you guys. Okay, fair enough. I know now. So anyway, and so, so David says, attack in verse 17. We see that David and his men fight all night long. If you read the scripture, that's what it says. They fight all night. In the Old Testament, war stories of David and other warriors provide us with this metaphor to help us understand how deadly serious this struggle is that we face. It's a battle. It's not just a battle with people. It's a battle with principalities and powers of darkness. I want you to catch this. This is real. Once you've identified the work of the enemy is working in somehow in your life or working against you, I want you to understand this, that you need to adopt an aggressive fighting attitude and attack it. And here's the good news. The Bible tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers and principalities, and we're given the mandate to use spiritual weapons to fight the battle. Now all the guys in the room are like, yes, give me weapons. I want weapons. I don't know what it is about guys, but we, apparently in Calgary, you can go to, a, to a, an axe-throwing range. Anybody did that, done that here? What's wrong with us men that we want to throw axes at, at things and, and we just love weapons? And maybe you're a woman here and you're like, yes, I'll tell my man what he needs to do and I will, I will whip out the weapons that I need to whip out, right? And so, so you understand battle. You understand warfare. And you understand that there is a reality going on that the enemy wants to knock you out, take you out, and he doesn't care about how you feel. There is a the war raging against you. Here's the good news. We have weapons. We have weapons to fight that. If you can't remember what they are, because you haven't used them in some time, or you haven't been fighting battle, or you're new to this whole Jesus thing, to come into church, to what this is about, I want you to know what your weapons are. Number one, you have the weapon of the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is unbelievable. It has power. When you get into God's word and you hear exactly who you are in Christ Jesus, who he's designed you to be, the purpose and the plans he's given to you, you can fight any battle that comes your way. It's the word of God. That's the first thing. First and foremost, use that in every battle that you're waging. Get into God's word. Don't just go, I got a Bible. Pull that Bible out, read it, learn it, know what it says. So when you face that battle, you can just say, though, I, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and never beneath. No weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Is there an amen in the room? Second thing we've got is the name of Jesus. The name above all names. The name above cancer. The name above grief, anxiety, 
frustration, depression. The name above every sickness and disease you have ever seen or the enemy would like you to believe is yours. Jesus is his name. Speak the name of Jesus. Come on, take a minute with me. Just say Jesus. Jesus over your situation. Jesus over your finances. Jesus over the hurt and the pain and the sorrow. Jesus over that relationship that is strained. Jesus over the the miscommunication. Jesus over every issue I face. God, there is authority in the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Jesus is our Lord. And there's power in the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, yeah, go ahead. Give Jesus praise today. God, we thank you for your name. We thank you for what it represents. And we thank you for coming, dying on the cross. Jesus, there you were on that tree. You didn't have to do this. You decided that you would be beaten, bruised, wrongfully accused, slapped on that tree like a piece of dirt so that you could have life, so that you could have hope. Eric, he's got a plan for you, man. He's got a plan for your life. And here's the thing. He wants you to succeed with everything you do. Maybe you're trying to figure it out. And you're like, I don't know. I don't get I want to speak life to you. I want to speak the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus over you from the top of your head to the tips of your, cho- your toes. In Jesus' name, God, use my brother for great and mighty things. Come on. Let him know that the blood of Jesus will, will just fight through every battle you rage. Every single issue you're going through, the blood of Jesus doesn't just wipe away sin. It makes us whole. It makes us new again. He's got us. The blood of Jesus is how we fight people and fight the enemy. Fourth thing, prayer and praise. I'm telling you, something takes over when you begin to praise the name of Jesus. Isn't it awesome? Look at that smile on that face over here. Yeah, yeah, yes. When I praise Jesus, there is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. When I give him praise in my darkest situation, it's not about the situation. It's about praising Jesus that he has a plan even in the midst of what everyone else can't understand. I praise him. I seek him. I find solace in him. I find peace. That's a weapon we can hold on to. And finally, let me give you this. The cross. The cross. The cross of Jesus. It represents the debt of sin. We are messed with sin as we entered into this world, but Jesus removes all sin. The debt was paid in full. Humanity was elevated from the fall. He lifted us up. He gave us purpose and he planted our feet. Satan's dominion came to an end. That's it, Satan. No longer can you rule and reign over this world. The curse of the law was canceled. Alienation became reconciliation. You felt far from him. He reconciles you back to him. Hatred was swallowed in love. When I think of our North American culture, I think of our friends over in the U.S., I just want to cry. God, would you come? 
and bring your love to our nation. God, would you come and bring love to those nations around the world that are fighting, that are discouraged, that have no hope. Jesus, bring your love to your people in our city, in this community, Tuscany and and Royal Oak. There are over 10,000 people. The statistics tell us 10,000 people that have no idea, no affiliation to the gospel, to church, to Christianity whatsoever. And all they're looking for is someone to come to them and say, God's got a plan for your life. Come with me. Come with me to my church. Come with me as we seek God together. Love. Love. Death was swallowed in victory. The death of what Jesus did, he, he, he ruined death. He defied death. He was victorious. The cosmos was reclaimed for God. I'm almost done. Defining points of faith that makes us Christians is that we believe this absurd message of the cross. Whoa. What did you just say? This is like, the message of the cross doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Who would do this? Who would die for us? Who would give us hope like this? Jesus. Strange and absurd ways of God. And and we remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a three-act drama of death. The burial, the resurrection, and the central theme of the gospel story is the life of that we have in the resurrection power. God wants to weave this same theme in and through our lives, in your life. So on the worst day of your life, you may see nothing but death and burial, but I want you to remember act three. You're connected with Christ, and the dramatic conclusion of your story is the resurrection. Finally, this, I want you to catch this. The final part I want us to get today is this, that there was a celebration. There was a celebration that we will recover it all. You will recover it all. Whatever it looks like right now, I want you to know that God, through his help, through his story in your life, you will recover it all. David, I'm sure he celebrate. Don't let your personal tragedy or failure define your identity. The enemy wants to remind you how horrible it is, how impossible it is, how you can't get out of this situation, the failure or loss of events in your life, but they do not have to define who you are. Failure and loss are things that happen to you. But failure and loss are not who you are. Your identity is defined in Jesus Christ. You may have been hurt, but you're not broken. You may have been victimized, but you are not a perpetual victim. You may have suffered loss, but you're not a loser. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. Who are you? You are an overcomer. In Jesus' name, overcomer. Overcomers in Christ, they recover.
And I want you to know today, whatever it is you're faced with, whatever kind of horrible, worst possible situation you're facing, I want facing, I want you to know today that you are an overcomer. You may get knocked down, but you get back up again. You may lose the battle, but you will win the war in Jesus' name. You may suffer some loss, but you will recover. The heart of the story of David at Ziklag is a story of restoration, story of hope. At its heart, the story of the gospel is restoration, new life, new hope in him. Salvation is the story how God recovers the things that were broken. Can I pray with you today? Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I just pray over this group of men and women, families that are represented here, extended families that are represented here. God, person, you know every situation, you know every family, home, every challenge, every discouragement, every point of of negative influence. I pray in the name of Jesus as we come before you as men and women who are honest and open and broken, would you come and bring life back to our lives? Would you give us a word? Would you give us a vision again where we lost hope, where we lost perspective? God, not only give us a vision, but help us to act on it. Help us to move forward. Help us to have the the obedience to trust in you where it seems like we've been weary. Renew our strength again as you give us wings like eagles to soar, to to reach the, the purposes that you have for our lives God, I thank you that in the midst of our deepest, most difficult situation, that you have a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you want to do in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to encourage you today. Trust in Jesus. He's leading the way. He has a plan. He has a purpose. If you want to know more about this, we'd love to share that with you. If you don't know Jesus, you've never made a decision, some great men and women here, Pastor and Marilyn, would love to just share that with you and other great leaders in this place. God bless you. Thank you for having me here today. And, and listen, we want to invite you. I'm going to have to run out now and, and, and join with our congregation at Notre Dame High School where we're having a block party. And really the whole idea of a block party, it's just an excuse to get to know people. And uh, it's kind of our, our, our bash, our summer, you know, school's out, that kind of thing. No more teachers, no more books, no more, anyway, you know that, that thing, right? And so we're doing that. We're, we're going to have some fun. If you can make it over by Notre Dame High School, that's where we are on the front lawn. Come on over, drive over, take you 10 minutes to get there, maybe 12. And it depends how you drive. If, you know, if you got the maniac driver, then maybe less. But uh, we would love to see you today. Love to get to know you a little bit more. God bless you. Thanks so much for having me. Say amen. Amen, that's a good word. Thank you, Pastor Dave. So appreciate it. And we understand that um, 18 minutes ago, your block party started. And so um, we, uh, by all means, excuse you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance on you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. God bless you. The pastor's council members will be at the back, and they've got that uh, frequently asked questions document for you. God bless you.
I uh, hope to see you at Notre Dame High School uh, between now and when it closes at 1.30. God bless. <laughs>